just and you're good to go. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalam ala abdillahi wa rasulih. Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. As always, we begin by praising Allah, by asking Allah Azza wa Jal to exalt the mention of grand peace to our Messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to his family and his companions. We're starting a new surah for our tafsir today, and we are doing the tafsir of Surah Al-Balad. La uqasimu bihada al-balad wa anta hillun bihada al-balad wa walidin wa ma walad laqad khalaqna l-insana fi kabad This is only going to be the first part because I think today we won't be able to finish all of the tafsir of the surah today probably it's going to be divided into two parts or maybe even three parts. Today we're going to start with the statement of Allah Before we do that, are you okay with the sink? Sure. The statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, La uqasimu bihadal balad. Someone asked a question, do you remember at the end of the last class, there was a question that came, what's the difference between the wow that is with the qasam? Like when Allah Azza wa Jal said, wassamafi wa tariq, washamsi wa duhaha, this is all Allah is swearing the oath, right? Qasam. What's the difference between that and between La Uqasimu Bihadabad? Uqasimu. It means I swear by. And that's the meaning of the wow. In washamsi waduhaha, the wow we call it wawul qasam, the wow of swearing, i.e., Allah swears by whatever He wills from His creation. As for Allah's creation, they are only permitted to swear by Allah. So we can only say wallahi and tawlahi and so on. But, when, but Allah Azza wa Jal swears by whatever He wants from His creation. Washams, Allah swears by whatever He wants from His creation. And we had a rule, a qaida, that we said that Allah Azza wa Jal la yuqsimu illa bi Allah Azza wa Jal only swears by something which is very great in the sight of Allah and very important in the sight of Allah. 
So the word uqsimu, it means I swear by. So it has the same meaning as the as the wow. But what is this word la in the beginning? La uqsimu La. The scholars of tafsir, when they looked at this word, la, they looked at this word la as having one of three meanings. Either this word la has a word after it which is missing because it's understood from the sentence. In other words, la is an answer to what the disbeliever said. The disbeliever said to something, said something, and Allah said, La. In other words, La, it's not as you say. La to what you say. In response to what you say. You say something, and the disbeliever says something, and Allah says to them, La. In other words, kalla, like the meaning, kalla. It's not like that. This is one opinion. The second opinion is that la here is tawkid for the qasam, it emphasizes it. La uqsimu, meaning I certainly swear by. I certainly or I definitely swear by. Ta'kid or tawkid, emphasis. And the third opinion, and this is the strangest one, or the one that is at first you have to think about it, is they say that la here is la here it is exactly as it normally is in Arabic, it means I don't. Hold on a second, I don't swear by this city? La I'm not going to swear by this city. So we have three opinions. One opinion is, what was one opinion? One opinion is that the la here is an answer to what the disbeliever said. So the disbeliever said something and Allah said la. Full stop. No, it's not like that. It's not like that. I swear by this city. The second opinion is that La here is Tawkid. I certainly swear by this city. And the third opinion is that la means I don't swear by this city. Why is it, or how is it, that Allah doesn't swear by the city? I'm not going to swear by it. I will not swear by it. La uqusimu bihad al I will not swear by the city. So now to understand these three, we have to understand what is the city? And we have to understand what is the meaning If we understand this, we can understand the meaning of love.
So this surah is Makkiya. Generally speaking, that is Qawlu Jumhur, the majority of the scholars of Tafsir. They said this surah is Makkiya. And they said that Al-Balad is Makkah. Umul Qur'an. La utusimu bihad al-balad. So if la here is tawqeed, is emphasis, this is easy to understand because Makkah is something which is mu'adham. Balad mu'adham. It's uh, the most great of the cities and the most important of them. And it's something great and important in the sight of Allah. So it's easy. La utusimu, I certainly swear by this city of Makkah. Easy so The answer to the non-Muslims is also easy. La. Uqsimu No, it's not like you say. It's not what you say. What you say is not true. What you say about the Prophet is not true. When you said he is a shari'ah, when you said he is a kahin, he's a fortune teller and a poet, it's not true. Uqsimu I swear by this city of but the more difficult one to understand is if la here is nafia, la uqsimu I don't swear by the city of Makkah. Why is it that Allah would not swear by Makkah? What is it about Makkah that would make it so that Allah will say, I'm not going to swear by the city? I will swear by Ashamsi wa duhaha. I will swear by Al Qamar. I will share, I will swear by Al-Layl and Naha, but I will not swear by Makkah. Why? Now we come to the ayah wa anta So generally speaking, the word hay comes back to one of two meanings. And the scholars of the Arabic language they disagreed for but which of the two meanings is valid, or they agreed on one and they disagreed on the other. That's more correct. So they said that hil means halal. That hil means halal. The opposite of haram, or the opposite of hurma, sanctity, and so on. And the other meaning, and this meaning is not agreed upon by the scholars of Arabic, not everybody agrees this is valid. They said, Hil bima'na halun. muqim. You're staying, you are resident in this city. You are resident in this city. Then, there were lots of different opinions about how to understand these ayahs. So we said the two main meanings of hil is either halal, and that is called jumhur, the majority they said, hil means halal. And some of them said hil means hal, someone who is muqeem. وَأَنْتَ حِلٌ بِهَذَا الْبَلَدُ وَأَنْتَ مُقِيمٌ بِهَذَا الْبَلَدُ You are staying in that city. So as for the word, if it means halal, if it means halal, we have some different opinions about how to understand it. وَأَنْ تَحِلُّنْ أَيْ حَلَالٌ 
Some of them said, like Ibn Kathir, like Ibn Kathir, they said that the word halal here, it means that Makkah will be halal for you to fight in. That Makkah will be halal for you to fight in in the future. The second they said, it means that if Makkah is so sacred when you are halal, then how about when you are in a state of ihram? Or if it is so sacred when you're in a state of ihram, and so on. And in other words, that the halal here is the opposite to do with al-muhrim, the one who is in ihram. The one who is in ihram is sacred. But if Makkah, you're sacred even when you're not in ihram, then when you're in ihram, it's even more sacred, right? It's even more important. In Makkah, Makkah is, is important. La uqsimu bihad al-balad. Makkah is important and in the sight of Allah, even when you're not in ihram. So when you're in ihram, it's more deserving. But that's not the only understanding of halal. Another group they said halal, it means from al istihlal, meaning that they make your blood and your honor permissible in the city. Think about it. Meaning that the non Muslims have said that it's halal to insult you. The non-Muslims have made it halal to throw you out. The non-Muslims have made it halal to harm you. They made it halal. So if we take these three, how do we understand it with La Uqsimu How do we put it together? So we say in the first one, La Utusimu Bihad al-Balad. That Allah Azza wa Jal swears by the city, Wa anta hillun bihad al-Balad, and this city will become halal to you to fight in in the future. Or La Utusimu Bihad al-Balad, I swear by the greatness of this city of Makkah that is so great when you're not in Ihram and even more important when you are in Ihram. And then what about when you are Muhrim? Or that the La, it means I will not swear. And the reason it means I will not swear, I will not swear by this city as long as they harm you in it. Istahallu dima'aka wa'irdaka wa'ikhrajaka They made it permissible to insult you. They made it permissible to kill you. They made it permissible to take you out. 
So I'm not going to swear by this city as long as you are being insulted and denied and thrown from this city, thrown out from this city, I will not swear by this city. Or the word means halun, resident in this city. And in this way, you can take either of the two meanings of la I swear by the greatness of this city, which is even greater because you are living here. I swear by the greatness of this city, which is even greater because you are, you are living here. Or, I will not swear by this city while you are living in it. Why? This is, think about this for a second. I'm not going to swear by this city because you are Muqim in it. You are living in it. How would that work? How could that work? I will not swear by this city because you are resident in it, O Muhammad. So Does anyone have any ideas for any of the guys watching online? I'm not going to swear by this city. I will not. This is to say, La means I'm not going to. I'm not going to swear by this city because you are resident in it. How could that work? How could that be? Does anyone have any ideas? Anyone have any ideas on that? No? Still? Okay. Because you are so honorable, O Muhammad, you are more deserving of being honored than the city of Makkah. Do you understand? La uqsimu bihad al-balad, I'm not going to swear by this city, wa anta hillun, wa anta muqimun bihad al-balad. While you are staying in it, because you are more You are more sacred than that city. You are more important in the sight of Allah than that city. You are more important than that city. Okay. Which of these is closer, even though all of them have an understanding? But which of them are we going to make tarjih? Which of them are we going to prefer? We're going to say that Al-Adhar, the most obvious and mutabadir, the one that comes to mind is that La here is to emphasize La Uqusimu. I certainly swear by this city and that the word Hil means halal and not Muqim. Because not all of the scholars agreed in the first place that Hil can mean Hal. Not all of them agreed in the first place. So the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, they took this ayah meaning that you will be Halal to fight in this city in the future. But this brings us to a problem. So we said, La uqsimu bihad al-balad, I certainly swear by the city of Makkah. Wa anta hillun bihad al-balad, and you will be allowed to fight, permitted to fight in the city, which has never been permitted for anyone to fight before, and it will never be permitted for anyone to fight after, except 
for a portion of the day that the Prophet ﷺ was allowed to fast. What problem does this bring for us? I mentioned at the very beginning of the tafsir, it brings a problem for us. Let's see if the guys on YouTube are paying attention. We said that the stronger opinion, the opinion of Ibn Jarir, rahimahullah, the opinion of Ibn Kathir, the opinion of the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, is that this city will be halal for you to fight in. But this brings a problem that we mentioned earlier. What did we say? Where did we say this surah was revealed? Makkah. Meaning that this is something which has not happened. So some of the scholars of Tafsir, they said this ayah alone was revealed in Medina. They said that this ayah on its own was revealed in Medina. They said that this ayah alone was revealed in Medina. Is it necessary for us to say that this ayah was revealed in Medina? It's not necessary. Because the meaning of a surah being Makkiyah is that it was revealed in Makkah. But it can speak about something that will happen in Medina. Because Allah knows everything that will happen and everything that has happened and everything that is happening, how it will happen. Allah knows all of that. So here, the surah was revealed in Makkah, but it was revealed, was revealed about something that is going to happen in the future, in the time of Medina. And this is what the scholars, they say, they say, Something that is revealed before the ruling happens. At the time this ayah was revealed, was the Prophet allowed to fight in Makkah? When this ayah was revealed, was the Prophet allowed to fight in Makkah? No. When the ayah came down, he was not allowed to fight. When the ayah came down, the ayah is talking about something that is going to happen in the future, but the hukum, hukmul ayah, it didn't happen. The ruling of the ayah didn't happen when the ayah came down. It happened later. It is halal for you to fight in this city? Not yet. Not yet. Wait. 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 Okay, now in the time in Medina, and you're coming back for the conquest of Mecca, now the hukum is true. It is halal for you to fight in this city. As for the Prophet fighting in the city of Mecca, then we have a hadith which is muttafaqun alayh, it's narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. The Prophet said, Inna Mecca ta'arramahullah. 
فلا يحل لامرئ يؤمن بالله واليوم الاخر ان يسفك فيها دما. said that Mecca is a city that Allah made haram. Allah made it sacred. Things that are normally halal elsewhere are not halal in, in Mecca. That's why when we make salah, we say takbiratul ihram. Yeah? Takbiratul ihram. When you say Allahu Akbar, why is it called takbiratul ihram? It's called takbiratul ihram because things become haram for you that were not haram before. Like talking, like eating, like drinking, like turning away from the Qibla. Things that were halal before become haram. Makkah is haram because there are things that are halal outside of Makkah that are not halal inside of Makkah. Who made Makkah haram? Allah Azza wa Jal harrama Makkah. Allah made Makkah a place where these things are haram, a place which we would call sacred or special, where special rules apply. So it is not allowed for a person who believes in Allah in the last day. And the Prophet said, It wasn't the people who made Makkah haram. Why is that important? It wasn't the people who made Makkah haram. It's important because if the people didn't do it, then the people have no right to change it. If the people decided, no problem. And if one day we decided you're not allowed to use your phone in the masjid, tomorrow I can see you use your phone in the masjid. But if it was Allah who made these rules for Makkah, nobody else is allowed to lift these rules for Makkah. No one else is allowed to lift up these rules from Makkah. So it's not allowed for anyone who believes in Allah in Allah the last day and yes, that they're not allowed to spill any blood. And they're not allowed to cut down any tree from the trees that grew naturally. Not the trees that were man-made, but the trees that grew naturally. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فيها فقولوا له إن الله آذن لرسوله ولم يأذن لكم إنما آذن لي فيها ساعة من نهار وقد عادت حرمتها اليوم كحرمتها بالأمس ويبلغ الشاهد الغالب أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم So if anyone says that it's okay to fight in Makkah because the Prophet fought in Makkah, then say to them, then say to them, if anyone says that it's okay, say to them, Allah only allowed the Prophet to fight in Makkah for one portion of the day. In Fath Makkah, in the conquest of Makkah, in the Fath of Makkah, Allah only allowed it for one single day, and He didn't, or one single part of the day, and He never allowed it before, and He never allowed it after, and it, and it has gone back to how it was before. 
It has gone back. Adat hurmatuha kehurmatiha bilhams. It's gone back to how it was sacred before. This hadith tells you that if anyone comes and says, but hold on, the Prophet fought in Makkah. So this means that the ruling is mansukh. It's abrogated. You can fight now. Because the Prophet fought. So you can fight. Say to them, no. He was only allowed to fight for a portion of the day and then Makkah returned back to being sacred like it was sacred before. And that was the opinion of Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, and Jamur and Mufassirin, the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, in the statement, You will be permitted to fight. You will be allowed to break the sanctity of Makkah for a portion of time, no one will be allowed before you and no one will be allowed after you. And this tells you that, it tells you two things. Like Ibn Qayyim, he said, he said, فَهَذَا الْقَسَمُ مُتَضَمِّنٌ لِتَعْظِيمِ بَيْتِهِ وَرَسُولِهِ he said, this oath, it tells you the greatness of Makkah and it tells you the greatness of the Prophet ﷺ in the sight of Allah. So what two things did we take from لا أُبْسِمُ بِهَذَا الْبَلَدِ وَأَنْتَ حِلٌ بِهَذَا الْبَلَدِ We took عَظَمَةُ Makkah, The greatness of Makkah and the greatness of the Messenger of Allah how important the Messenger of Allah was and how important the city of Mecca is and that's why Allah swore by it and Allah said that even though Mecca is so sacred and so great we have permitted you to fight in it because the, the sanctity of Rasulullah and the importance and his position is even greater than the position of Makkah in the sight of Allah. This is the third Qasim or the second Qasim. The first one is the Qasim uh, the Qasim of Makkah. And then we're told, because you're going to be allowed, you're going to be allowed to fight in this city. And the other opinions that we mentioned. The second oath that Allah makes is Allah swears by walidin Walid is a parent, right? It doesn't have to be a father. And walad is a child and it doesn't have to be a boy. The scholars here, they ask the question, which walid and which walad? Which parent does Allah swear by? And which child does Allah swear by? 
Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Allah Azzawajal swore by Adam, wa walidi, wa ma walad, wa waladi Adam, dhurriyati Adam. Allah swore by Adam and Adam's children, Adam's offspring. What do you think? Why do you think Ibn Kathir understood that from the ayah? Why? Where do you think that he took Adam and his offspring from the context? I swear by, or I certainly swear by this city of Mecca, and you will be permitted to fight in this city of Mecca, and I swear by the parent, and I swear by the child, I swear by the father, and I swear by the child. Where did Ibn Kathir take from this that this refers to Adam? Anyone got a The next ayah. How how does it relate to how does it relate to Adam? The fact that it's insan, every insan, then all of Kullu Bani Adam. Maybe, yes, that's one possibility. Laqadda, the next ayah, Allah talks about al-insan generally. And we know that al-insan is Bani Adam, the children of Adam. So what goes with the surah is Adam and his children. Uh, Ibn Kathir, what he said about this, uh, or he indicated that Allah swore by Ummul Qur'an, Allah swore by Makkah, Allah swore by Makkah, and then Allah swore by the children of Adam who live in Makkah. Who lives in Makkah? The offspring, Bani Adam. Bani Adam. And then Allah talks about the insan, like you said. Uh, Allah talks about man, generally. Allah talks about mankind. So Ibn Kathir, what he said is what matches here, what matches the context, the siyah, is that Allah is talking about Adam and the children of Adam. Okay. Some of them, they gave a more specific answer. Something akhassu min Adam, more or akhassu min bani Adam more specific than Bani Adam. More specific than Bani Adam. A bit more detailed. Who do you think they said? Wawalidin Who else could it be if it's not Adam? Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Excellent. Ibrahim and Ismail. And this is an opinion of some of the scholars of Tafsir, they said, وَوَالِدٍ وَمَا وَلَدْ إِبْرَاهِيمُ وَإِسْمَاعِيلُ وَمُحَمَّدُ عَلَيْهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ They said, Ibrahim and his offspring, Ismail, and from Ismail, the lineage of Ismail came Muhammad, عَلَيْهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ Where did they get this from? They said that Allah is talking about Mecca. So which Walid and Walad is connected to Makkah? 
وإذ يرفع إبراهيم القواعد من البيت وإسماعيل ربنا تقبل منه When Ibrahim raised the foundation of the house and Ismail ربنا تقبل منه Our Lord accept from us So they said here that والد وما ولد This is Ismail Some of them came up with a statement that is very different. And we can say it's a little bit unlikely. But it so tells you how deep the scholars of Tafsir thought about the Quran. They said that ma here is nafia. Wa ma walad. Wa walidin lam Yalid. That Allah swore by the parent and the one who can't have any children. Wawalidin wama walad. That Allah swore by the parent and Allah swore by the one that doesn't have any children. Why do we say fihi bu'id? Why do we say it's unlikely? Because generally Allah swears by something which is mu'adham, which is very significant in his eyes. And it doesn't match the context to say Al-Walid Wal-Afiyah Like some of them said The one who has children and the one who is barren Because the one who is barren generally is not uh, Is considered, you know, they, they feel like they missed out on something You know, the one who can't have children They usually feel, we feel like, we, you know, we kind of feel like we missed out So it doesn't match the, the context to, to, for Allah to swear by Makkah and to swear by the sanctity of Makkah and to swear by the one who can't have any children. Doesn't, doesn't quite match. But the stronger of the opinions is the opinion of Ibn Jarir ta'ala and he didn't take the opinion of any of these. He said it's not Adam and it's not Ibrahim and it's not Al-Walid Wal-Aqib, the one who has children and the one who doesn't. He said that the wording is general and you keep it general. Meaning every parent and every child, including the animals, the insects, the jinn, the human beings, the parent and the child. And from the evidences he gave for this is two things. Number one, Allah did not specify who was intended, so you keep it general. The ayah should be kept general because Allah didn't specify Adam or Ibrahim. The second thing is the use of the word ma. Generally, we don't use the word ma when we're talking about people. We would say wawalidin waman walad. Generally, we say for the one who is muttasafun bil'ilm, the one who's described with knowledge, awal aqil, the one who has intellect, we don't usually use the word ma, we usually use the word man. You can use the word ma, but it's not common. The word ma is usually used when there is a reference to things that are not just human beings, 
a wider meaning. So this would include the animals, and it would include all of the parents and children, everything that has a, a parent and a child. And Allah is swearing by the greatness of this concept of a parent and a child, even among the animals. And among the human beings, it is even more deserving. We certainly honored the children of Adam. We certainly honored the children of Adam. So here, he said that Allah swears by, generally, by the parent and the child. And Allah, this is something which is, it is deserving of being given its status. It is deserving of being given its status, right? Because this whole concept of parenthood and having children and how even among the animals, that they from generation to generation and that you know that they have children and then the children grow up and this whole cycle of life and parenthood, something great in the sight of Allah. Look at how Allah created us from a single soul. And He created from it its mates. Many men and women came out just from, from Adam and then Hawa and then all of the human race. With all of our differences between us, different places we come from, the different way we look, the different languages we speak, and everybody came from Adam. That's something عظيم, something great in the sight of Allah. The parent and their offspring. And there is no harm in specifying or highlighting Adam and highlighting Ibrahim and Ismail. There is, no, there is no harm in that. They also are reasonable, reasonable opinions. All of this so far has been the oath, right? So far, we've just dealt with the oath. La uqsimu bihad al-balad. Wa So far, we've just dealt with the, the swearing by Makkah and by the parents and their offspring. What is Allah swearing about? What's the... Jawab al-Qasab, what's the answer to what Allah is talking about? I swear by this city, and I swear by the parents and their offspring. What does Allah, what is, what is Allah, what does Allah swear about? What is the, the purpose of this Qasab? What's the purpose of it? This oath is an oath to say that we have certainly created mankind fi kabad. So we need to take this word kabad. And this word kabad, it has a lot of different examples. But all of these examples, they come back to the meaning of shidda and al-mu'anah. They come back to the meaning of hardship and toil 
and suffering and problems. We have certainly created man fi kabat, fi mashaqqa, fi shidda. Now, the scholars of tafsir they start to give examples of this mashaqqa, this hardship that man has been created. They said, the hardship when his mother carries him. The hardship when she was carrying him, it was hard for her. It was hard for her. And when she gave birth to him, it was hard for her. And she complained, you know, to Ani. She was complaining of the pain and the hardship. And when the baby was born, the baby was born crying. And the mother took the baby crying, suffering, you know, hardship. The first thing the baby knows about this dunya is hardship. And then to feed the baby is hard, hardship. And then for the baby to grow up and to find out about the world is hard. It's a lot of effort required, a lot of suffering. And the parents suffer. And the baby finds it hard, you know, to, as they grow up and the growing pains. Some of them said, when your teeth, they said, means when the teeth come down, the pain, tooth pain. You know, when you're a baby you, you, and your teeth come, it hurts. Teething pain. It hurts you. And then as you grow up, it just keeps on hurting you. This dunya keeps on hurting you. لَقَدْ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي Hardship and difficulties and pain and problems. And when you grow up, does it get better or worse? It gets even more worse. أشد. You start worrying about your income, you start worrying about your dunya, you start worrying about... That's why uh, Al-Hasan, he said, Beautiful statement. He said, He suffers through the hardships of the dunya and the even greater hardships of Yom Qiyam. He's looking for his risk, it's hard. Maybe people pass away, it's hard. Even when you're finding it easy, one day, two days, you have a good day, you bring back to your cabinet your hardship and your difficulty and your problems. The one who is rich complains about how, about how difficult it is to manage their money and how many people want to steal it from them and no one is sincere to me. The one who is poor complains they don't have any money. The one who is healthy complains, the one who is sick complains. Oh, I'm, I'm toiling, I'm working hard, I'm suffering here. The one who is young complains about the difficulties they have and oh, I've got this problem and that from my friends and my school and then my exams and then they pass their exams and they have to 
complain about something else, they, they suffer something else, they suffer some other problem that happens to them. And then they get older and they work and they work is hard and they have to work really hard for their money and then it comes and it goes quickly and then again, when they, every time, Man has been created in a state of hardship, in a state of having to work hard, having to suffer in this dunya and in that which will happen after death. I have a question there. This is an easy question. So far, YouTube has been very silent. I feel, is that true? Okay, I have a question. What is the benefit? Allah swore by Makkah. Allah swore by parents, the parent and the child. What is the benefit of telling us that we have been created in a life of hardship and suffering? What is the reason for it? What's the benefit? What do you benefit from? لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ You listen to that and you benefit immensely in something. You really, your whole life you benefit from it if you know it. What do we have? I want to answer from, from whoever's watching. Very good. I like the answer. Who is the answer from? Very good answer. I like that. I like that answer. To know that this world is a test. What else? I like that answer. To know this world is a test. To have patience in it. What would make you have patience? If I tell you, Yaqi, your whole life is going to be hard. Trust me. What is going to, what does that imply? What does that tell you about the future? Mm. Get rid of the dunya. <coughs> don't don't chase the dunya. Very good. That's also good. You When will you rest? They asked the Imam Ahmed, when will you rest? Not even when you die, because you have the grave, you have when you put your feet in Jannah. And that's the reason it is giving you hope about Jannah. That the only time you're going to have no hardship, no kabad, no mashaqqa, no shada'i is in Jannah. So work through these hardships, have sabr with them, be patient with them, try your best with them, because if you have patience with them, and Allah showers His mercy upon you, and you go to Jannah, there will be no more hardship, no more working, no more effort, no more toil, no more problems, no more reason for complaint. It's encouraging you and preparing you for your life. You know, sometimes we, we wrap up our children, we don't tell them the reality of life, right? This ayah is the reality of life. This ayah is giving you right now the reality of what your life is going to be. Trust me, your life is going to be hard. So prepare yourself for it. Grit your teeth, 
you know, prepare yourself, knuckle down, work hard, so that you can go to Jannah where there will be no kabir. There will be none of this hardship, none of this difficulty, none of this getting up early and struggling at work and suffering at work, none of the issues that everybody has. So this is tarleem. It is encouragement to do the actions that will bring you the mercy of Allah that will get you to Jannah. And we do it like that. Do the actions. What do the actions do? The actions get you the mercy of Allah. And the mercy of Allah gets you to Jannah. And in Jannah, there is none of that. And that's why many of the Salaf, the early generation, they asked them about it. They asked them, you know, about resting. Right? They said, that knowledge, you don't get knowledge by resting your body. You don't get Jannah by resting. This time is time of difficulty. So you may as well use your difficulty to reach for Jannah. Don't use your difficulty and then at the end of it, you pass away and the only thing you said is, Ya hasrata ala ma how I lost, I lost, I, I was negligent. What I had put forward, I didn't put anything forward for Allah. I didn't do anything for Jannah. I just made myself tired and miserable in the dunya, and then I got nothing Yawm Al-Qiyamah except more misery and more problems. We ask Allah to keep us safe. That's not how we want to be. People who wasted our time in the dunya, just getting hardship and problems and difficulties and we never ever put something forward for Jannah. Any hardship we have in the dunya, we want to make it an opportunity for Jannah. How do we take our hardship and make it an opportunity for Jannah? By having sabr, by thanking Allah for his blessings, what he gave us, the times when Allah made it easy for us, we appreciate it, we thank Allah, we try to use it for the good by having patience, being patient with what happens to us, and by looking for every opportunity for Jannah. That's our that's our our big goal, our big dream. Whoever is safe from the fire and entered into paradise, that's the successful one. This is what people are racing each other for. Like, I'm sure it was Al-Hasan al-Basri, if I recall correctly, who said something along the lines of Whoever competes with you in the religion, compete with them. And whoever competes with you in the dunya, let him have it. If he competes with you in the dunya, don't waste your time with it. Let him have it. So this ayah tells you the reality of the dunya. This dar is not a dar of sa'adah. It's not a place of happiness. Dar of sa'adah is jannah. This is a place which is sijnul mu'min. It's the prison of the believer. Even if you have money, even if you have health, even if you have family, you're going to have difficulties and problems. It's a test. It's meant to be a a test. So treat it like a test 
and look for the opportunity. Look for the opportunity to get the place where there is no curse, where there is no hardship, where there is no foil, there is no mashallah. There's a very good question. The question says, will the level of difficulty depend on the level of our Iman? No doubt, a person yubtala ala qadri imanihi. A person is tested to the extent of their Iman. So the tests of the Prophets and the messengers, والسلام, it was the biggest test of all the tests. And so on. But generally, the meaning of the ayah is that life is tough. That's the general meaning of the ayah. This is It's a constant situation that you are in that is tough. Life is tough. If you want a life which is not tough, that's Jannah. Work for Jannah. Use the difficulties in this life as a hope and a chance, opportunity by the permission of Allah Azza wa Jal to gain, to gain Jannah. I'm just looking to see. Whether we should stop there. I think it's a good idea if we stop there. Because we only have uh, 15 minutes until the Salah, so it gives people time to get ready for the Salah. And also the next segment, uh, the next segment, is going to be several ayat. So we have quite a few things. So we'll do that one next time, inshallah. So what we will do now, inshallah, is just to see if anyone has any closing questions before we and it's nearly Isha time where we are here in Gator. Can you give me a question? Let's see. Is it okay to have no interest in this life when people ask you what you want to be in the future? Do you understand the question? Someone says, What do you want to be in the future? Person says, Wallah, mali wu. Mali wu Don't ask me about it. Mali wu I don't want anything to do with it. This could be praiseworthy from a point of view and blameworthy from another point of view. It could be blameworthy if this apathy leads to apathy in the religion. So a person is so demotivated about the dunya that they become demotivated in the deen. They say, well, to be honest, there's no point in me studying. There's no point. Like, I don't think it's a good thing for a person to say, I have no future plans. How are you going to get Jannah if you have no future plans? 
Do you see what I mean? Like a person says, I've got no future plans. I've got nothing to do with the dunya. The Prophet said, but the meaning here is not that I have no plans. No, you have plans. But your plans are related to Islam. Someone says, oh, I want to study. I want to study and I want to memorize and I want to study all these different books. I want to learn my religion to remove ignorance from myself and other people and to revive the sunnah. That's why I want to I want to do something. I want to go and travel for the sake of knowledge. This person has a hymn. But sometimes a person says, Mali or dunya, I don't want anything to do with the dunya. And to be honest, they actually fell into laziness in themselves. Some people when they say this. They copied the statement, but they didn't copy the spirit of the statement. Does that make sense? They copied what the Prophet says, but they didn't copy what he meant. So they say, well, I don't have, I'm not going to study, I'm not learning anything, I'm not memorizing anything, I'm just going to sit here until eventually I'm going to die and you know, otherwise. Like very like lazy and apathetic and I don't want to do anything. This is not something that Islam recommends. You should have a burning hymn. The Prophet said, If you ask Allah for Jannah, ask Him for Firdaus. Highest place in Jannah, you should have burning desire and burning passion and high aspirations to achieve. I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. All of the birr and the acts of goodness, I want to try to do as many of them as I can. So, this is a person who, when they ask him about the future, they're too busy. They say, I'm going to be so busy, I don't know how I'm going to have time. Because I want to study and I want to learn, I want to practice and I want to give da'wah and I want to and I want to and I want to and I want to give sadaqah and I want to and I want to and I want to and I want to pray these prayers. The person has so much they want to do. So be careful when someone says, I don't have any interest in this life. Instead, you want to say, I have an interest in this life, but my interest in this life is to use it for gender. That's my interest in this life. I'm not really interested in being wealthy unless that's Allah's means for me to give salah. And I'm not really interested. Like, if Allah gives me wealth, I want to use it to benefit Islam and the Muslims. I don't really, I'm not really interested for myself. And that's a good thing. Someone says, my career, I just want to do enough to stop me from begging and stop me from needing other people. That's a good thing. You shouldn't, you know, a person should follow the sunnah of the prophets. The prophets didn't. I don't ask you for money. So a person says, I'm going to work. Why am I going to work? Because I don't want to be the one with my hand out saying, oh, can you give me a little bit, brother? Can you give me a little bit? I want to be someone who only asks Allah. So I'm going to work. But I'm not going to work, you know, 18 hours, 16 hours every day like crazy because I've got more important things to do. I want to read, I want to study, I want to learn, I want to pray, I want to give da'wah, I want to do so many Islamic things. So that's why I'm not going to be like those people who spend 50 years of their life working huge long hours and then they retire and then they do what they want. No, instead, I'm just working to be able to do that. That's a good thing. So it's definitely a good thing to be disinterested in the dunya 
but make sure that you're not disinterested in the deen as well. This dunya is your chance. It's your opportunity to show what it is that you want, to show what it is you want to achieve, to work for the mercy of Allah. This is your chance. So don't feel like the dunya is worthless in that sense. It's worthless in the sense of itself, but it's not worthless as a test and as a place to take opportunity to get gender. So you have to be careful about that. Okay, we had your question. It's a long question. Uh, it's a very good question, and it's it's uh, it's very clear that uh, yeah, I think there is a sister asking this question. That a teacher in Usul Tafsir uh, said that it's better not to make a sweeping statement that science cannot be used in Tafsir, but rather you should qualify it. And say that there are aspects of science that keep changing and aspects of science which are qadir, which are clear. And uh, there is no there is nothing wrong with using those aspects of science which are clear to make uh, tafsir. Well, I have spoken about science and tafsir before. And there's no doubt that science and tafsir is something where you have to be careful. And by science, I mean worldly sciences. I mean the ulum, which are the ulum uh, of you know, physics and chemistry and biology. You need to be careful. What I would say, which is clearer than that, and, and I, I, I'm, I, I mean, SubhanAllah, I would not like to, to disagree with the Sheikh and his or her statement that they made. Uh, but I would just like to make it clearer than that, or to find an ibarah which is awah. And that is to say that wherever the Salaf al-Salih, the righteous predecessors, used these things, then you can use them. And wherever they didn't use them, then don't. It's that simple. That's how it should be. I mean, we take our tafsir from the Quran, as we have established from the Quran, and from the Sunnah, and from those things which the companions, the tafsir of the companions, particularly when that tafsir is either from the Prophet or either something which the companions put forward from their knowledge and sometimes from the other sources like we studied in the Surah So wherever the early generations used the worldly science and this is something that they and they they did so clearly and, and they they, they established that as a, as a, as a habit, then inshaAllah ta'ala there is no harm in that. But I think the danger today is that distinguishing between the things which are 
the things which are or kaltir are the things which are bani, the things which are based on guesswork and the things which are definite. Even that is not agreed upon within science, right? So, for example, you have scientists who say that Darwin's theory is qat'i, right? That in, according to them, it's absolutely, certainly proven, which is not true. It's not. It's not correct, and it's not qat'i. It's a theory. It's a theory, exactly. It's a theory. So, the point here is that even in this, in distinguishing between what is qat'i and what is bani, is difficult because the scholars of tafsir themselves don't always don't always uh, sorry the scholars of science don't always settle upon it so it's a little bit a little bit uh, difficult someone asked a question about hadith but i can't i don't recall the uh, hadith itself at the moment so i mean they wrote the text of the hadith in english but i don't recall the hadith exactly in arabic so i will Look at the hadith in Arabic and then I will comment on it, inshallah. So as I said, just last point on the, on the statement of tafsir, no doubt we have to be careful about the issues of science, but we just advise people to be careful because there is definitely been an expansion in the use of science and miracles and scientific miracles in the Quran, and a lot of it, if not most of it, doesn't have any basis within the science of tafsir as it was understood by Salaf Salih, rahimahullah and Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. So inshallah ta'ala we'll stop there and it's time for the Isha Adhan and inshallah ta'ala Isha Salah and Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best with salatu wassalamu ala wa muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share and you can visit muhammadtim.com